Well, would you help me welcome Josh Young back to Raider Church? Come on. Yeah. All right. So for those of you that don't know Josh, uh, Josh played uh, baseball here at Texas Tech and he got drafted by uh, the Texas Rangers organization. And uh, he came to Raider Church when he was at Tech and was involved in uh, a lot of other things. And one of my favorite memories though of of Josh at at Raider Church was uh, we had this snowball fight thing one, one, one night after Raider Church and it was like a duel. And so two students we had after the service, like we had this tons of students in this duel where they had like these snowballs that we had gotten from this snow cone place. And and they would, you know, march off like 10 paces and turn around and and on the count of three, like throw at each other. And whoever won, like stayed in the game. Well, if whoever ended up winning the tournament got to face Josh at the very end. Okay. Now, some of you guys know this, but Josh played third base. Most of the time he was here at tech. And when you play third base, that means you've got a really like strong arm. Okay. And you can really throw very hard. And so Josh got to play the winner. And so this guy won and gets to play Josh. And so they face off and Josh just murders him. I mean, sticks him right in the side of his ribs with this snowball. And Josh didn't know it. He had left, but this kid came and showed me and told me and sent me a picture of it, like had a bruise this big on his ribs from where Josh hit him with this snowball. But it was all worth it, wasn't it? It was awesome. I didn't get the money, so it didn't matter. Well, that's true. He did. He, did. he, got, the, he got the gift card, but that's only fair, man. You're like, you're a pro. He, he wasn't, he didn't know what he was dealing with. All right. So let me, let me ask you this first, Josh, why, why did you come to Texas Tech? Well, my journey all started back when I was a sophomore in high school in Georgia, actually. I was playing a baseball tournament out there and uh, Coach Thomas and Coach Hayward both came over and saw me play and thought I was okay. Um, so I ended up getting recruited and then I played football as well in high school and on my bye week, I came up here I didn't really know where Texas Tech was at the time because I was a Longhorn fan growing up. Oh, so I gosh. bled burnt orange. <laughs> <laughs> so I come up here and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. The sign says friendliest city. So I was like, oh, I guess we'll see what it's yeah. about. And, uh, you know, I come, I come over here and it's just a small town atmosphere, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Uh, I park across the street at the, at the hospital and Coach Tadlock gets out of the car and the first thing he tells me is, Wow, you're tall. And I know y'all probably don't know his accent, but that's exactly what he sounds like. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we went on a visit, rode the golf cart around everywhere. Uh, the program had been to the World Series two out of the last three years. So I was like, this can't be a better place for me. Right. Now, what did you think of Tadlock when you saw him the first time? That he is very short. <laughs> that's funny. So you're, you're, you're here at Tech and... You're, you, you have tons of great moments as a baseball player. I mean, you guys went to the College World Series how, how many times while you were here? Twice. Twice. And uh, won uh, some Big 12 championships. And so uh, you have, you must have some incredible like highlights and moments, but what are some of the best ones that you can think of uh, as a Texas Tech baseball player? You know, it's hard, it's hard to narrow it down to one. Uh, you know, we won two Big 12 titles. Mm-hmm. We won. We went to Omaha twice. We were a national seed three times. So, I mean, historically, we that's just unbelievable yeah. to have at a, like a tenure like that at a school. But my favorite moment was this past Super Regionals in Game Three, uh, when Kurt Wilson hit the three-run home run oh, yeah, uh, to yeah. send us to Omaha. You know, that that whole series, my heart was in my stomach 
because it was just back and forth the right. entire time, and it was like, who's going to make the last mistake? And, uh, you know, Kurt hit one off the scoreboard to send us, and I've never been a part of a moment just like that because you grow up dreaming of, you know, the, the games in my hands. I get the last swing. Right. And it came true for him that day. Yeah. And there's, there's just nothing better than that moment. That's cool. Now, you guys have had a, a close-knit group um, over the years. So who have been some of your best friends and, and why? You know, I'd say our baseball team is pretty close. Uh, the camaraderie is really great in the locker room. But I've had two really, really good friends while I was here, one being Brian Klein. Um, if you all don't know, he's the one that wears the crosses on his face in baseball games. Um, he was my roommate for three years. And then even on the road, my sophomore, junior year, we were roommates. So it's like we couldn't get enough of each other. Yeah. Um, he introduced me to scary movies. <laughs> I didn't like scary movies at the time, and I still don't. Oh, but he made me job. watch every <laughs> Saw movie. That was terrible. Oh. And then my other f- really good friend is Hunter Hargrove. Yeah. Uh, he was a senior my freshman year, and he really took me under his wing and just kind of showed me the ropes. And, and we still talk to this day. I was in his wedding last year, so it was you yeah. know, just the friendships that you build you know, in the game of baseball just last forever. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you, you're, you're here at Tech, and um, you, you really started – following Jesus probably for the first time in your life, but you did give your life to Christ at an earlier age. So tell us a little bit about that and, and why you gave your life to Christ. So my freshman year of high school, I went on an axe retreat through my grandparents' church. And that's when I really got introduced to God for the first time. Because right. I mean, growing up, we played baseball all the time. So we were on the baseball field, but when we did go to church, um, you know, I felt like I was dragged to it, right. you know, and and our, our family, we heard this one time, we were called CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it just really wasn't like a big part of my life, but we always said we worship God on the baseball field. Um, but then when I got to Tech, for the first time is when it was my choice. Mm-hmm. And so I, fi- I went to church, I w- did everything on my own, and, and that's when I really you know, dove into my faith. And I, and I can remember just the first messages that I heard. Right. Um, when I was over at eLife, I was actually down here at their downtown station, mm-hmm. and uh, the song that rang through my head, uh, you know, Jesus' blood breaking the chains of our sin, right. and that really hit me. But I think one of the biggest reasons I stick around as for why um, was a quote that resonated with me my sophomore year. Okay. Uh, Tom Brady came out with the miniseries, Tom versus Time. Right. And at the very end of the episode, you know, he talks about, like, through all his success, through all the awards, through all the MVPs, uh, the world championships, there's something missing. There's got to be more. Hmm. And that really hit me. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, my identity so far has been as a baseball player. Right. But at the end of the day, that's, that's going to go away. Like, all the awards, everything, it's, it's temporary. Right. It's like, you can't take it with you after this life. So yeah. it's like, who are you going to be and what are you going to be? So I always ask myself is, who are you? Right. So, you know, you're here at Tech. Obviously, you're a student athlete. So you're, you're taking classes. You're full-time baseball. I mean, that's, that's a full schedule. Um, lots of things, obviously, in the college life going on. How did you really begin to follow Jesus? Like, what were some of the practical ways? Because there's a lot of challenges there with your schedule um, between class and baseball. There's challenges just in the college life. So what are some of the practical things that you were doing to really grow in your relationship with Jesus? You said that you told me before that 
really in high school, you were like a believer, but you really didn't start following Jesus like as a disciple until you got to college. And so what changed there? What were some of the differences? What were some of the practical things you started doing to really begin to grow in spite of the challenges and the opposition that you face in college? You know, I think the first thing to say is I still struggle every right. single day with it. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a constant battle. There's never really a point where you just arrive and like, oh, you know, I'm good now. Sure. Um, but I think the biggest thing in college was for me to understand the difference in being a believer and a Christ follower. Right. And I guess the biggest difference there is, is the action yeah. that comes behind it. And then the consistency of those actions, you know, trying not to fall into the chapter, like, oh, I can just put it off later. And then sure. you look up and it's been three weeks and you haven't done anything You're like, oh, you know, I can, I can just push this off. Right. Like you have to, I guess for me, I had to become more disciplined uh, in who I wanted to be. Right. And you got involved in a lot of things. You, you were coming to, uh, to Raider church and, but you were also doing some other things. So, uh, tell us some about what, you, some of the different things you got involved in that you were, that you you began to be more disciplined in, in order to really follow Jesus closer. Yeah. I think that's the first thing was I had to get plugged in right. because if you don't get plugged in, you're just, you're not around it. You're not going to, you know, just continue to, to have those actions. So, you know, I was, I was going to church regularly. I was coming to Raider church. I was involved in FCA. Um, we had a small Bible study with the, with the baseball team. Okay. And so all of that I had throughout the right. week and, but the biggest thing was like on the weekends when it came time, what are you going to sacrifice for sure. your relationship with God? And I'm, I mean, I was in college too. Like, you're going to struggle sure. right there. Uh, yeah, All the temptations absolutely. around you. And I struggled with it. And I'd, I would go out. I'd go have fun. Right. Um, but the biggest thing that hit me was this past year in FCA. It was like, are you taking Jesus everywhere you go? Mm. Or are you going out on the weekends and leaving him at home and saying, oh, I'll pick you back up later? Right. And then that, that kind of kills the discipline of it. Yeah. And so... That did take some sacrifice, right? I mean, you, you, you had to start saying no to some things and then other things when you did show up, you had to act differently because you're bringing Jesus with you. And so there were some sacrifices there. There were some different choices you had to make there, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, going out is great and everything. Like it's, it's fun. You have a right. great time, but you have to understand the difference between like taking Jesus with you. Like mm-hmm. there's someone over your shoulder watching you. It's just not... Oh, I'm going to go have fun and be crazy tonight and just, you know, right. wake up tomorrow and go to church. Like it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. really work that way. Yeah. So you get drafted by the Rangers. You're, you're in their organization. And so, um, and Josh has explained a lot of this to me. I didn't know everything about all of this. Um, but there's, so there are multiple levels in, in the Rangers organization, uh, until you get to the big leagues and, um, really the levels that he's been in are not even as glamorous as like college baseball. And so it's rough. It's days on the road, nine, 10 hour bus trips, uh, which just sounds like absolute hell to me. Um, you've got, you're staying in, a, you know, apartments with a lot of other guys, mattresses on the floor and all kinds of stuff. I mean, so this is, uh, you're, you're staying in hotels a lot of night. Um, the Rangers, you know, have you go into all these different places you know, he, he told me, he was like, yeah, you, you know, I can be somewhere and then get a phone call and then, you know, I'm gone the next day. And sure enough, on Sunday, uh, we were at church and he got a phone call during our 1130 service and it was the assistant general manager of the Rangers. And he's like, okay, hey, you got to be in, uh, in Dallas on Friday. So he's flying out tomorrow morning, had no expectation of that. Um, and so 
in a moment's notice, they're, they're sending you all over the country for different clinics and hitting drill, all kinds of different things. So, uh, so this is a, a, a different life um, than most people are used to. Monday, eight to five kind of job, uh, Monday through Friday, eight to five. It's, it's very different. Um, now, we all face our own challenges and our own schedules and, and different seasons bring different challenges and schedules, but, you, but yours has been challenging for a reason and in ways you've never faced before with this, this kind of lifestyle. So tell us some of the ways you have tried to continue to follow Jesus through these challenges and what that's looked like for you. Well, I can tell you I failed this summer. Yeah. Um, not being around Raider Church or, or FCA or being able to go to church, you know, you kind of separate yourself, you get, you get kind of isolated and you feel right. alone. Um, and I think the biggest thing that really hurt me in my faith was I started chasing results. Mm. You know, I put, I put a price tag on myself, like, hey, I, my expectations are up here, and if I don't meet them, you know, that affected my mood, it affected my energy, uh, it basically affected everyone around me because I was just a hassle to be around. And so that, you know, I had a wake-up call at one point, but I was just struggling in baseball. Right. I was struggling being successful, I was failing. Um, I started chasing those results and it kind of, it, it wore on me for a while. Right. My identity and who I was, was kind of gone. Mm. You know, I was, I was back to being the baseball player, but then I was thinking negatively, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a good baseball player right now. Right. Um, so one of the biggest things that I spoke about in college was, was that baseball is what I do, not who I am. Yeah, that's good. And so that got flipped real quick when right. I went out there and you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, this past week and and he talks about having a throne in your heart and who's mm -hmm. on the throne. Right. So when I went out there to pro ball, I put myself on that throne and I left God and Jesus at my feet, mm -hmm. worshiping me, which can't happen. Yeah. Uh, you start making every decision about you and not about the good of anybody else. Right. And so I came to that realization where that had to be flipped. Right. I had to get God and Jesus back on the throne um, with me at their feet. Yeah, that's good. And, and you said, you know, in the world that you're kind of in right now, at least at this level, you know, everyone's really about themselves. Um, they, uh, you know, at any moment, any opportunity to knock someone else down, to make someone feel bad, to make, you know, in order to make themselves feel better, uh, people take those opportunities. And so it's real easy uh, at this level, you know, to start really making it all about yourself, which we all face that in anything that we're doing. It's so easy to make, you know, our world about us, but you, you had to begin to make your life, um, you know, more about Jesus and more about others. And so, so what are some of the ways that you, you did that to, to really kind of turn your life around to putting Jesus back on the throne and following him again and blessing other people in spite of the way they're treating you? So how did, how did that work? What did that look like? Well, Don Manningly, a big time Yankees baseball player a long time ago, um, he talked about investing in his teammates. Mm. And so that was one of the biggest things that I started trying to do is invest in the people next to me. Yeah. If I can boost them, then hopefully, you know, my morale will be a little bit better. Right. Um, and then that takes all the thoughts off of yourself and, yeah. oh, poor pity me, I'm struggling. But no, you, you help those around you and that kind of that lifts your spirit too. You see them be successful and you get super happy for them. Right. So that ultimately brings, you know, your happiness and joy back. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I started doing toward the very end of the season was I started going to Barnes and Noble and just diving into the word. Cause that's basically the only way I could get, um, the word and Jesus into my right. life was, 
was to make that decision to start reading. Yeah. Get away from everything, baseball, the apartment with eight dudes living in it, you know, all that kind of stuff and go to Barnes and Noble and just spend some time uh, reading God's word. And, and you told me that as you really began to make your life more about Jesus and more about others, that it was amazing how that's kind of changed your attitude and mentality. Um, so that, that's, that's awesome. What, um, you, you know, there's, there's lots of ups and downs in, in baseball. And so, you know, it's the, it's one of the only things I know of where you can fail seven out of 10 times and still be considered extremely successful. Cause if you're batting 300, you're doing pretty good. Um, and so, and you, you told me, I didn't know this the other day that, uh, the guy in the hall of fame that's got the highest batting average ever is like four Oh six. And who, who was that? Ted Williams, Ted Williams. So four out of 10 times, you know, you're succeeding and that's the, the, the best ever in baseball. So that's, a, that's a lot of failure to, to deal with. How, how do you deal with those ups and downs? It's hard for sure. And like I said, this summer, I struggled tremendously with it. Right. Um, but the biggest thing I had to do was to learn that, you know, the moment's over. Right. Like I can't control what happened. So why would I let that control me, yeah. my mood and my attitude? Um, so the thing I did was when we got done at the, at the field, when I took my uniform off, the game was over. I didn't want to think about it anymore. Right. Uh, I didn't want to dwell on it because that would just, you know, bring me back into that broken trap. Sure. Uh, and just continue it. Yeah. So what do you ultimately, ultimately hope to accomplish with your baseball career? As a young kid, I wanted to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, I can remember vividly me and my brother um, being in the backyard playing wiffle ball against each other. Right. Uh, it always ended in fights, but, you know, it started yeah. out pretty good. Um, but I can always remember myself throwing the ball up to myself, hitting it, you know, saying I was the best that ever lived, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, as I got older, I, I learned to understand that even with that goal, I, there's got to be something more to it. Mm. Um, so I want to try to use my, my platform to help those who don't have the chance to play baseball. Yeah. Uh, so in high school, I got I dove into this thing called Miracle League in San okay. Antonio. Um, it's basically where kids with disabilities go out and play okay. uh, baseball. And uh, I'd go out there and pitch to them. And it, it's awesome. Every time they hit the ball, it's a home run. They're running around slapping everyone's hands. Yeah. Um, some are in wheelchairs being pushed around, but the smile and joy on their face, it, it puts things in real perspective for you. Sure. Because, like, you know, I, I get to play this game. I don't have to. Right. I get to play a kid's game and get paid for it. Yeah. And I go out there and make it a life or death situation. Well, these kids literally don't get the chance to play. And they're having the time of their lives. Right. So why can't I go out there and have the time of my life? So I think that was the biggest uh, perspective change yeah. for me. Now, there was one story, though, in particular you talk about with this uh, league that really just rocked you. So can you tell us about that one? Yeah. So there's a kid that came out there that's blind. Um, and he didn't want to hit off a tee. He wanted me to pitch it to him. And so his dad's standing behind him and... When I would throw it, his dad would tell him when to swing. And that, it broke me because he, he stood in there and he would foul him off. He'd be like, no, I want to hit it fair. I want to hit it fair. Right. And finally he hits one fair and it just broke me on the mound. Yeah. I was just like, holy smokes. Yeah. And they're ringing bells as he runs around the bases so he can find where the base is. Right. And I was just like, wow, that is, that is truly remarkable. That's amazing. Now, 
You've had some other experiences pitching too that haven't gone so well, right? Um, You know, Josh is a star player at Tech and now in the Rangers organization. Um, But you didn't do so hot as a pitcher is uh, my understanding. So you, you come into a game, you're up, Tech's up nine to four, nine to five on Baylor, something like that. And they bring you in to pitch to close out the game. How did that go, Josh? We lost. <laughs> yeah, we had to get three outs. Wow. Lost. I gave up um, some home runs that still haven't landed. Yeah. I think they went into orbit. Um, but I think every ball that was hit was hit extremely hard. Yeah. So they shut me down after that. Okay. My career was ended so, with an 81 ERA. An 81? 81. Oh, wow. But That's... it's okay. Patrick Mahomes has an infinite ERA. How so? He never got an out. I got one out. Oh. Thankfully. But so, the guy did hit it to the wall. We just caught that one. So you pitch better than Patrick Mahomes is what you're trying to say? Yes, I do. Okay. Does he know that you think that? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Now, you guys talk, though, still. You, you guys talk some. Um, and he hurt his knee recently. And so what, were you, what did you tell him about that? knee injury because you had a similar one right yeah I, sus- I sustained the same injury in high school I dislocated my knee uh it's not fun but literally exact same thing because just the ligaments on the outside of the knee stretched which is odd uh that nothing tore but anyway I reached out to him I was like hey man I know what you're going through if you need anything yeah and I, I said do not rush back because I know what it feels like he throws balls 80 yards All right and he's got a plant on that leg it, it would not feel very stable and so he would kind of hinder his ability a little bit. And we want to have a long career. So I told him, don't rush it back. You know, take your time Josh, with I got it. Josh, I got a problem with that, man. Um, he's, my, he's my fantasy quarterback. And he gets me about 30 points a week. So I'm going to need you to message him and tell him I need him back this Sunday. It's been a week. So maybe. Maybe this time. But definitely not last week. So I hope you won. But... No, I didn't. I lost. And I need Patrick Mahomes back. <laughs> the whole country does. We all need him back. We need him pl- playing for the Chiefs and on our fantasy teams. I mean, we want him to be a Hall of Fame quarterback and have yeah, a good career. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. He's at, what, year three right now? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. Okay, so you have accomplished what most kids dream about. I mean, you go to college, you go to College World Series, um, you're winning all kinds of awards. You get drafted by, I mean, if you grow up in Texas, you get drafted by the Texas Rangers, although it might be better to be drafted by the Houston Astros right now. Sorry, man. But, but you get drafted by the, the Rangers. So you're living out what most kids uh, dream about. What would, what would you say about living out that, that dream that you've had for so long? What, what's that been like? I'd say my staple around the baseball field is that I try to outwork everybody. Okay. Um, that's just everything I've tried to do. So what I tell people all the time is, is to outwork everyone, your teammates, uh, your competition. That gives you the best chance for success. Mm-hmm. But uh, this summer, actually, when, when that light bulb for me went off, uh, I was talking to my head coach. And, and you can't call anyone in, in professional baseball coach or you get fined. So I, I got <laughs> fined a little bit. Um, you have to call him Skip, which I don't know why. But anyway, so Skip was talking to me about how he prays okay. because I've always struggled with prayer. 
Sure. I didn't know, you know, what to pray for. I always felt like, you know, what I was going through wasn't, um, wasn't a high priority for God. But what I've learned is that, you know, everything is a priority to God. Right. Uh, you know, I always struggled with prayer. And so he talked to me about the four things that he prays about. The four Ps is what he called it. Uh, passion, patience, perspective, and perseverance. Yeah. And so when we were talking about it, he was like, do something you love and have uh, just a grand passion for right. it. And when things aren't going your way, to have patience and know that your time, it is coming. Um, and then always, always keep things in the right perspective. Um, because no matter what you're going through, you know, there are things out there that are worse. But you can also know that, like, if you're on a downhill battle, there, something's coming. I always, like, refer to the bow and arrow, like, you're going through struggles, it's getting pulled back, just getting ready to launch you forward better. Yeah. Um, and then perseverance. You know, things really aren't going to go your way all the time. You're going to get knocked down, but it's about standing back up and pushing through it. Right. And then just with all of that, appreciate the journey mm-hmm. and have fun doing it. Yeah, that's good. So most of us only know you, um, you know, playing on the field, watching you play, um, some may, you know, may know you from school and, th- and things like that. But what's one thing you wish people knew about you? Maybe that's a, a misconception or something just most people don't know. I'm going to surprise you with this one. But I'm not super serious. Everyone that I come in contact with just thinks I'm super serious all the time. That I'm always going to you know, look mad or something. But I'm like a total goofball all the time. I'm never actually serious. <laughs> um, and I love to sing. I love singing around the house, even though I'm not very good. Can you show I, us? No. Oh. <laughs> we don't want to break anything in here tonight. Um, and then I like to move my body while I'm singing. Okay. And it's not dancing because I have zero rhythm with it. I just move around. Um, but I got another one for you. Okay. So my brother reminded me of this earlier. So the day of the draft. Yeah. Uh, I was nervous. You know, I, there had been talks of me going in the first round, but, right. you know, I was super nervous. So we went up and hit, had a home run derby. I lost to my brother, who was three years younger than me. Nice. Way to go. Um, <laughs> but then also we get back to the house, and uh, we, I, I lived in a house by myself last year because both my roommates bailed on me or whatever. Um, but we had a mini basketball hoop in the living room. Yeah. And I, I think I'm an all-American mini basketball player. <laughs> um, because I can't actually play real basketball. So we're having a little one-on-one competition. Right. Um, and I would always say I'm Jarrett Culver, and he'd always say he's Zaire Smith. Uh, you know, to Interesting. take that. Yeah. He, he always called out Zaire every time we were around. I was like, yeah. hey, let's go play one-on-one. Uh, but anyway, we're playing, and we almost got hurt. We started getting really physical because we wanted to win. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly where I was going with that story, but... I mean, but you like to pretend you're Jarrett Culver. Yeah, that's what you want to mini, mini basketball star in oh, my living room. All okay, the time. you're a mini basketball star. Mini basketball. Okay. Yeah. But you're really you're you're anymore. You're not allowed to play basketball, right? Yeah, I'm not really allowed to play anymore. I mean, the Rangers have said no, 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 you can't do that. I literally can play chess or pool. Chess or pool yeah, or baseball. I can't do anything. Like I can't play any other sports, or else I'll get fined. Yeah. So there's something else though. That, that I want to know that you still haven't told us. And, um, and I know you don't tell anybody this, but I want you to just maybe if you're willing, if you'll tell us, what are you generally saying to your bat when you're speaking to it before you hit? So yes, I am known to talk to my bat and I get a lot of 
I get a lot of crap for it. Yeah. Um, I do know it's an object, but yes, it does talk back to me. It um, talks back to you. It does. Okay. <laughs> so now, when I'm talking to my bat, I'm a very, very nervous person when I'm hitting, especially in high tense situations. I'm breathing yeah. like, <laughs> like I can't calm down. Um, so the biggest thing I'm doing is like I'm trying to breathe in the moment. And I'm trying to reiterate to myself, like, what I'm trying to do in this moment. Sure. Um, so, like, where the runners are, like, what I'm trying to do on this pitch, what he might do to me. So I'm going through all this in my head, kind of talking to my bat a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny when they zoom in on my lips and try to figure out what I'm saying because oh, it, yeah. it changes all the time uh, depending on the situation. But now that I'm in pro ball, you know, wood bats break. Right. So you have a lot of different bats. And... Uh, you know, when I'm, if I'm struggling and the bat's not talking back, I got to switch them up yeah. and figure out which one's going to work for me, which so, is weird. So is it weird talking to many different bats now rather than just one bat? <laughs> it is weird because sometimes if I'm you're hitting kind of good a with player one. player now, right? I mean, you're kind of playing yeah, in the like, field there. It's not just one bat anymore. It, it is tough. Some do feel like they're getting cheated on and they really don't work for me yeah, ever okay. again. So do you talk to other inanimate objects? It's funny. It gets brought up all the time. Really? Um, yeah, like if we go to the rec and play basketball, there was like, if the shots aren't falling, you know, it's not because I'm not good. It's because yeah. I'm not talking to it yeah. enough. But no, I don't talk to it then. I you just get frustrated. Okay. Or like football, if I can't hit a receiver to save my life. Are you talking to the football today? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking to it, but yeah. Okay. All right. Well, man, I just want to say uh, thank you uh, for being here. Thank you for... Uh, your witness for Christ. Um, thanks for, uh, you know, come, I know it's not easy coming up here and talking and stuff like that in front of people. And so, um, uh, appreciate you doing that for us. Um, you've been a real uh, blessing to us and to our church over this last week. And so, man, I'd love if we could uh, pray for you, if that's okay. Would you guys join me in praying for, for Josh and just his witness and platform he's on? God, I just want to pray uh, for Josh, and uh, God, I just pray that you'd bless him, that you would use him, God, uh, in, in all that you've done in his life as just a, a platform to uh, tell other people about Jesus and to bring you glory, and I know that's ultimately, God, that's what's on his heart. And so, God, I just pray that you would continue to, to use him. God, help him to continue to, to grow in his relationship with you. And in spite of all the challenges that he faces, the, the ups and the downs and uh, the spotlight that he's in, God, I just pray that um, you would help him, God, in this time and, and just encourage him. God, even now, I pray that uh, he's been encouraged this week just by uh, being here with us and uh, getting to, to be with his brother and, and, and be on the, the field with the, uh, the, the tech baseball team um, this week. And uh, so, God, I, I just pray that this would be a time of refreshing for him, uh, God, as he, as he hits it hard again here pretty soon. So, uh, God, just thank you for him and his life. And God, just pray that you would use him in a great way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you guys help me thank Josh for coming and sharing with us tonight? Now, I, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things uh, Josh said. And, and one, the first one is that Josh said that he's not perfect and that this is something that he's still uh, working out in his day to day and week to week life and that uh, he fails, he messes up. And then God speaks to him through his word or, or in prayer and leads him back to himself. 
And so that's a lot of times what uh, the Christian life can look like. And what's important is that um, when God is drawing us back to himself is that, that, that we don't just uh, continue to run or in our shame because of our choices or our sin or, or, or uh, uh, lack of faith or, or whatever it might be, that we don't continue to run from him, but we run to him. We run back to him. And you talk, you, you heard from Josh about how many times he's struggled, but then the Lord draw, is drawing him back to himself and, and Josh begins to pursue Jesus once again. Another thing he talked about was he said that he's not perfect and that he's sinned and he's messed up. And you know, that's what the Bible says, that every one of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard to have a relationship with him and to go to heaven when we die. Because the Bible says God is perfect. He is absolutely holy and perfect. And so when we sin, we fall short of his holy and perfect standard. And that's the standard. That's what it takes to be right with God and to go to heaven when you die. Absolute perfection. And so when we sin, and we all do, and especially me, we fall short of God's standard to have a relationship with him and to go to heaven when we die. We've all sinned, the Bible says. But not only that, there's a punishment for sin. You see, if you break man's law, you pay man's fine. You break God's law, you pay God's fine. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that the wages of sin, or actually Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. There's a fine to be paid for our sin, for breaking God's law. And the Bible says God's fine for sin is death or eternity separated from him in a place called hell. But Josh talked about something else. He talked about some words he heard in a song at church one night that said that it's the blood of Jesus that breaks the chains of our sin. And that really, when he got here to tech, he, he heard those words and that, and that kind of just energized him and, and gave him this passion to follow the one who had set him free from his sin. But here's what's important about that is that the Bible says, that Jesus, Jesus said this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to heaven except through me. Why is that? Because Jesus is the only one who died on the cross to pay your fine for sin. No one else has done that for you. You can't do it for yourself. You can't pay the fine for your sin yourself. Only Jesus has paid that fine for you in your place. Because God loves you so much, the Bible says, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. He demonstrated his love for us in sending his son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross. And so when he died on the cross, his hands were pierced with those nails. And that's the, the words that Josh is referring to in that song, that his hands were pierced, his feet were pierced. He was whipped and he shed his blood on the cross to pay your fine for sin. You see, a lot of people think, if I could just be a good person, like if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then maybe God will let me into heaven one day. Maybe if I'm just basically a good person, or if I go to church every once in a while, or if I'm like Josh said, a, a CEO, like a Christian in Easter only, like surely if I show up some and I'm basically a good person, that God will let me into heaven. Did you know the Bible says that's not true? The Bible actually says good people don't go to heaven. 
You might be thinking, where do you get that from? Ephesians 2, verses eight and nine says this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. In other words, good people don't go to heaven. Salvation heaven is not a reward for being a good person or going to church, showing up a few times. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And you're forgiven of your sin, the Bible says in Romans 3, when you place your faith in Jesus' payment of your fine. Not when you've been a good enough person, not when you've been to church enough times, when you place your faith in Jesus' payment of your fine through his death on the cross, at that moment, when you place your faith in Jesus' payment of your fine and what Jesus has done for you, not in what you can do for yourself, but in what Jesus has done for you, at that moment, the Bible says, you are made righteous, which means right with God. God. And you can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven, not because of who you are or what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you on your behalf. And I'm thinking there's some of you here tonight. And if I were to ask you, if you were to die tonight, you might say, man, I'm not so sure I'd be going to heaven if it was tonight. I'm not too sure about that. You could be sure tonight. Not because you do better, not because you try harder. That's not what the Bible talks about. That's not Christianity. It's not do better. It's not try harder. It's not do these good things. It's not check off these boxes. That's not Christianity. That's not how we're made right with God. It's not by doing better and trying harder. It's by giving your life to Jesus, trusting in his payment of your fine. So the Bible says in Romans 10, verse nine, to all who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, they, they give their lives to Jesus and believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the grave. To all who confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Jesus from the grave will be saved. Because salvation's a gift you receive. It's not a reward you earn. And so my challenge for some of you here tonight that have been trusting and being a good person or thinking maybe if you go to church sometimes that you'll be right with God. My challenge is for you tonight to trust in Jesus for the first time and be forgiven of your sin. Because you see, someone is going to pay the fine one day. You're gonna stand before God one day and you're either gonna hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter the kingdom that's been prepared for you, or you will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. You will hear one or the other when you stand before God one day. And the only way that God will let you into his heaven is if you've given your life to Jesus. Not because you've done better or tried harder, it will only be if you've given your life to his son, Jesus. Second Corinthians five says it like this. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us. In other words, he paid the fine for our sin, became sin for us so that those who are in Christ will become the righteousness of God. Those who are in Christ, who've given their life to Jesus will be righteous. They'll be right with God. And so if you're here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus and you would say, man, tonight's the night. 
going to give my life to Jesus. Man, I just want to challenge you. Go on our website, radiochurch.com. Select Get Connected, fill out our form, and tell us that you gave your life to Jesus tonight. We'd love to follow up with you and help you grow in your new relationship with Jesus. But then there's one more thing. I know some of you are here tonight and you've been following Jesus. You've been a believer. You've given your life to Jesus like Josh talked about, like he did in high school. But you haven't really been a disciple. You haven't really been a Christ follower like Josh talked about, like growing in your relationship with Jesus, joining and getting plugged into a community of faith where you can grow in your relationship with Jesus where you can worship and hear the word and and be around other people who are following Jesus too. My challenge for you would be to leave just being a fan of Jesus and become a follower of Jesus. You know, Jesus is always calling people out of these crowds of thousands that were following him. Come follow me, take up your cross, In other words, die to yourself and die to this life and follow me and you will find true life if you will follow me. And oftentimes a lot of people would say, man, that's too hard. That's too difficult. I don't know about that, Jesus. We liked it better when you were just kind of feeding us and healing us. That's starting to get a little bit tough and people would leave him. At one point, Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and and said, well, aren't you gonna leave me too? Peter said, no, Lord, we... We have nowhere else to go. You have the words of life. We have nowhere else to go. We are following you. Our life is in your hands. And Jesus said, when you put your life in his hands, you'll actually experience and find true life. Some of you, you've had one foot in with the world and what you want. And you've had one foot in with Jesus tonight, I would challenge you, go all in with Jesus and be a Christ follower, not just a fan, but a follower. Would you pray with me? God, I pray for every person here right now. And I pray that you would speak to each heart, wherever they're at in their life right now. God, you would use what's happened in Josh's life to to speak to some people here about what's going on in their life. And God, I pray that many people here tonight that aren't too sure if they would go to heaven, if they were to die tonight, would give their life to Jesus and be 100% sure. Not because of anything they've ever done, but because of what Jesus has done for them and already accomplished for them on their behalf. I pray they would give their life to Jesus tonight. And God, I pray for some of my, my friends in here tonight that have had one foot in with the world, one foot in with Jesus. They, They want to be a fan, but they kind of want to be a follower too. And God, I pray that tonight through the Holy Spirit's power and this moment, they would go all in with Jesus and be a Christ follower and put you on the throne and they would bow at your feet. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Now, would you stand? Our team's going to lead us in worship and, and let's worship the name of Jesus whose blood sets us free from all our sins.